Antonians and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a sometimes weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the Rick to my flair, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi! seconds on the money no no i got 15 i got 15 oh, i was counting much much quicker than you i guess that was i counted the 35 in my in my mind and that was oh that was not, even, not even close oh for those that don't know i bet shaheen that i could do it for a minute and the bet really was pride and or tears <laughs> not even close not even close jensen why can't you why can't you carry a tone or tune as long uh, as you usually do shaheen i have a crack rib well, how'd you get a did you get into a fight you should see the other guy yeah, what does the other guy look like? You I should, saw the other guy. He's downstairs. You, you should see the other guy. <laughs> doesn't look that bad. I <laughs> uh, was doing a little racing this weekend. Uh, had a really good weekend, actually. Had, yeah, you're, had a, you're had a, rocking it. Had a fun time. Uh, six races, five podiums. A little personal record action. Three, three wins. And then the last race of the day, 15 lapper in the scorching sun. Oof, it was warm. So hot. It was like 90 something degrees yep. out. Uh, 13 laps in, oh. get into a three rider incident oh. uh, while I'm leading the race. And, uh, yeah, I broke a toe. I cracked a rib. I sprained an ankle. I've got bumps and bruises. The Kramer came out fine. It barely looks like you put it down. Like, it, I feel right? like you may have like, we're walking up the stairs and you cracked your toe against the stairs and you're like, oh yeah, I wrecked my bike. I, I, I mean... I have no idea what happened, which might be a concussion. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I know, right? it's not, but <laughs> I was, I, I, I literally saw nothing. And the next thing I know, I'm just kind of tumbling and I close my eyes and I brought my arms in. I'm just like, all right, we're going with this. And I rolled four or five times the bike. You, okay. You know, when you, you're racing go-karts right? and you're racing with your friends, so you're being a dick. <laughs> And so you like you'll you'll get to the apex and you'll feel attacked and you'll just park it uh-huh. and then someone comes behind you and just just slams just into you gives them the what for and so you end up getting like both vehicles speed and they end up just stopping. <laughs> That's exactly what happened in this situation because my bike went all the way to the fence. Yeah, it slid all the way to the fence and I'm out in the grass just like and then I look back and the other two guys. Their their bikes are still like basically on the track. I think they're in the grass, but like right at the edge. So, oh, so they were able to ride it out? No. Well, well, how do we explain this? We should back it up. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so, so great, so great race battling, battling with a buddy, battling all race, and and my whole strategy for that race because it's so long and it's so hot and we're so tired. All of our races for our class were in the afternoon, right? So we're just sitting there going like, man, like. This is going to be a war of attrition. It was this, a squatcha. This is going to be who did their fitness during COVID and who didn't. And sure enough, we saw some some guys fall away from the wayside. Um, and so my thing was like, you know what? Don't get yourself tired out. Let the other guy do all the work. It's a marathon, man. And Not then, a sprint. Yeah. And then at the end, pull the pin, go. And so lap 13, we go by. I make my pass into turn one. And I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm going to put pedal to the metal as hard as I can. Uh, cause Weird we were doing car analogy we in a were, motorcycle show. Yeah, yeah. 
Listen, listen, I had a long weekend. You're going to have to deal with some stuff today. All right. <laughs> I don't remember some of it. This is not going to be an A plus show. I'm I'm shooting for a C. Uh, just just going to get by. C's get degrees. And I know because I have four. That's of right. There's some of your doctors are C students. Oh, my gosh. I, I think one of them is mine. Think about that. I think one of them is mine. Just saying. Uh, right. Well, let's move along. <laughs> <laughs> um, So so coming into turn three, which is our first left hander, and it's it's a it's a funky turn. It's off camber. It's usually dirty. Yep. It, everyone tips toes through it because that's everyone crashes in three. I, I know more people that have gone down on that turn than than not. That's that's always where it is. I love it because you can usually catch people there. I haven't I, I haven't crashed there yet, so I have no fear of it. I need to make a turn three patch. Ooh, you should. It'll be a thing. There's so many of us. We'll wear it with pride. Your guys is I'm <laughs> motocourse's used bike arm is called turn two. You turn, guys should rename it turn three. Turn three. <laughs> Maybe that sends the wrong impression. Amazing. <laughs> um, so, but we're coming up on two lappers. Uh, I get through them. I get one like right after the apex of three, and I catch the other one about halfway to turn four. Uh, and the guy behind me, he's he's. I think he saw exactly what I saw, which was like this second lapper is going to work out really well for Jensen because mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna get caught like right at the apex of four. Which, if you, which is hard to pass around because it's such a narrow part of the track and it's a quick chicane and there's a wall. Like it's just not a good place to pass. Right. If you haven't made the pass before the apex, it's just not happening nope. without it being a dicey deal. And that gets all the drive down the back straight. So it's a really. I'm sitting there going like, I'm going to get good. I'm going to get good separation here. He's not going to be able to draft me down the front straight, and I'm going to get my breakaway. And I think he did the same math I did, and and saw what it was because he tried to. This is this is secondhand information. Uh, so, like I said, I don't know anything <laughs> about what happened, but We're my, speculating my impression of of what happened was see what happened was yeah he tried to come in between behind me and in front of the lap rider, and just that distance just didn't work out right. And and truthfully, like I don't go through turn four very well. That's not my that's that's my weak spot on the track, is it? So maybe he was expecting me to do it better than I did, and. I just was still there. When I mean, listen, we always say the person behind you is sort of in charge oh, of sure. looking out for who's in, who's, in, who's in front. But it's just one of those things like it's just like I've made that exact same mistake at least half a dozen times yep. and just gotten luckier with the result. Like yep. It's just like everyone's had that moment where you just kind of like barely it's get happening by someone. so quickly. We can talk about it. But when you're in the heat of battle, it's like oh, boom, yeah. boom, it happened. And we're and we're we're battling. Um so this is a bum deal because uh, so I got run into the back of I go down he goes down the poor guy who's the lap rider he tries to avoid us and then he ends up in the grass and grabs brakes and he <laughs> goes down and so we're just like you know three guys just kind of sitting there going like well that's that was stupid it's it's lap thirteen why couldn't we do this on lap three <laughs> we well, why do we have to do all that work we've been out here for half an hour sweating under the sun like this is not smart <laughs> um, so it's a bum deal uh, everyone's okay Good. I think I think I got the worst of it I'm okay. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, you look like you were wearing an airbag suit and a good helmet and some good gloves. And dude, helmet did it. I had no issues with my head, no headaches, and I hit my head. Like I remember hitting my head. Yeah, um, I literally closed my eyes though, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I brought my arms in and I rolled. I think I punched myself in the chest. Truthfully, I think that's what broke the the. That's what happened to me rib. when I went down last time. I, I kind of brought my arms in and my elbow hit yeah. my ribs and it. My middle toe got broken, which I, I just look at like. What what were you doing that the other four toes on the foot weren't? You have freakishly long middle toes, though. 
You really don't. Not really. <laughs> no, I mean, really my, my index toe is a little long. <laughs> that's a that's like a gene. Whether or not your index toe is longer or shorter than your big toe, that's a thing. Interesting. Uh, that's a fun factoid that you wouldn't get on any other podcast except for the podcast. Pod, yeah. Brap well, Talk podcast. Brap Talk. Rap talk here telling you about your uh, physical deformities. Yeah, listen, listen about your toes. <laughs> so that's been fun. I've been texting people like, hey, you want to see a gross toe toe uh, photo? My answer is always yes when someone's like, you want to see something gross? Hell yeah. Show me what you got. Come on. I've had friends send me pictures of their knees wide open, their thumbs sticking oh, yeah, out. This isn't that bad. It's just, it's yeah, just yours is like, you've got some white band aid on little, there and you're like, nubbin. my toe hurts. That's not bad. They need to make airbags for toes now, apparently. Toe bags. Dayanese. Uh, really stoked on my Dainese suit. That went off. Um, it was funny. So you get, I get on the ground and I'm sitting on the ground. It's kind of a weird thing when your airbag suit goes off. Cause you can't actually tell if your collarbone's broken or not, because it's such a, like, it's such a weird bone to break. Like there's so much pressure on your shoulders from the airbag that right. it feels like in your head, the, the thought I'm having is something's wrong. Right. Like this doesn't feel right. And then you kind of like, no, I can kind of move. I can kind of do this. And I'm kind of on the ground, like thinking from him, like, I can't believe that just happened. Like, what happened? I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> and I get up and there's my buddy, his suit's all puffed out. <laughs> you guys look like the marshmallow. Just <laughs> and we just, and we just hug it out. I don't know. Like, I, don't, like, I don't know. Like our uh, first instinct is just like, just to hug it. We're in the middle of the impact zone. The race is still going on. Uh, We're on the edge of the track. A moment. We're like, oh, are you okay? I'm okay. All right. Hug it out. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. It's hot. It's hot. Get me out of here. Um, that was a fun so time. for people who don't know what it's like to wear an airbag mm-hmm. or how, how it feels when it goes off, how would you describe it? Was it was it was it so, sudden? Was it painful? So was it twenty twenty such a weird year because I've never I've never crashed at a press launch until this year, right? And I've obviously never crashed in a race until now. I've only been racing for like a year and a half. Um, but like I'm trying to remember, like both those instances are my first crashes on the track since like thirteen years ago. Mm. So it's such a bizarre thing um in that regard but like in the moment of the crash i don't think either time i noticed the airbag deploy and that makes sense because especially this time like because i was rolling for so long right i could it could be so easy to just to not be able to distinguish between like one of the impacts of the roll and the airbag deploying although the airbag deployed way before i hit the ground presumably i don't know i haven't looked at the, yeah, data. the idea is that it like it yeah. deploys in like some crazy micron second and microsecond yeah. so that was weird and and like so you just don't notice it that's the thing like you just don't notice it until kind of like for me it was like a couple seconds what, what i should say what feels like a couple seconds it's probably like a tenth of a second in right. reality but like that moment when you kind of stop and you're just like huh what's going on what happened where am i what's going on am i okay and you're like oh my my shoulders my shoulders and my neck they, they feel weird and then you're like oh Oh, I can't like move my arms kind of. Oh, my airbag deployed. Okay, cool. Does it deflate at some point? It does. It takes a really long time though. It takes like a solid 30 seconds, wow. which again, in the moment feels like an eternity. That feels like 10 minutes yeah. and like an eternity. Um, but man, I swear by that technology. If you are on the racetrack without an airbag suit, you are just asking for a it. A lunatic in my mind. <laughs> I, I guarantee, I guarantee it's so anecdotal, but. I rolled really hard. I hit the ground really hard. I would be really surprised if I didn't have a broken collarbone without an airbag suit. Right, like right. I, I'm a very firm believer. I came out of that with no broken, well, no broken bones. I got a broken toe, but um, are you sure it's broken? Yeah. Oh, really? 
Yeah. I've had like three doctors look at it and be like, oh. that's broken, but nah, that's totally <laughs> I mean, fucked. I haven't x-rayed it because there's nothing you up. can do. Yeah. No, um, not really. But they're just like, it, it, it's like one digit that's swollen and discolored and the other one's just fine. Huh. So something happened to that huh. guy. Uh, it doesn't really, hurt. it hurts a little when I walk, but it's not bad. Um, but yeah, I just look at that. Like I would have had like serious broken bones without that airbag. And it's just like racing. Like, like, like that was the thing that I was kind of driving home when I was trying to describing what happened. It's such a racing incident. It's such like a, that's just racing. Like if you're going to race motorcycles, that kind of crash, that kind of incident is going to happen. Yeah. Period. That's part of Infinite it being timeline, sort of a calculated you're gonna, risk. I, I, I bet there's an incident like that that may or may not result in a crash in every race. That's how common it is. You know, just that like you're threading the needle. You're just trying to get that that extra tenth. Right. You know, behind the person. You're just trying to push it just a little bit harder than the lap before. That's, and you guys that's were what so close to each other. I mean, there's yeah. no. Yeah, it happens. So um, why wouldn't you wear the insurance policy that is an airbag suit is my is my point. Uh, if I can plug, I love Dainese. They, they take care of me. Alpine stars makes a great system as well. Right. I've gotten to use that. Haven't had to deploy one yet. That's good. Um, I've seen some murmurings from other makers, but I haven't really seen anything yet that like seems credible enough to mention. Right. Um, so those, those two, like if you don't have one of those, man, and it's funny to see, like, uh, I was talking to some of their sales reps, like airbag suits are killing the market right now. Everyone's buying it as they should be, which is great very very big believer in that and then obviously um i crashed in my bell pro star helmet which has their flex technology which yep. has a multi-density foam and a rotational um impact force mitigation thing a lot like the mips we've been talking very about very similar to mips right and i like truthfully like i hit my head pretty good i was rolling pretty good um well, no I mean, headaches no like, issues you know it's a lot of momentum we're you're you're a big boy Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of physics going on. A lot on. of physics going on there. A lot of math happening while you're rolling. Well, that's what I was trying to say too. Like my bike absorbed the energy of the other bike. The other bike basically stopped from the impact point, whereas my bike went another 40 feet down the. I, I gotta tell you, man. We we spent like 10 minutes downstairs looking at your bike, and it's hard to imagine that it wasn't a wreck. <laughs> it looks really good, like, doesn't it's it? Fine. My triple nine hit the ground. Probably, maybe going even as fast as you. Let's just pretend for a second, and my damage was. Like you could see. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Kramer. The bikes crash really well. It's <laughs> it's a known <laughs> thing amongst owners. It's a weird kind of sales thing. It's such a weird thing we motorcyclists say, especially the, so the sport bike and true. dirt bike people are like, oh yeah, this bike crashes really just, well. It just Great. Thanks for selling that to me. Really well. Like <laughs> I bent both bars, but like I didn't even notice when the bars was bent until like five hours later. Yeah. I broke the windshield. I'm pretty sure with my body. Uh, every every piece of bodywork has a little rash on it, but not, not a lot. Not much. Like it just looks like wear and tear. There's, There's a little look like... scuff on my wheel that I'm like. I, I think that's I think that's from the little kissy kissy action it from the other bike. Looks it looks it's very cosmetic. Like I, the, I worry about carbon fiber wheels in that regard, but it looks very cosmetic, super cosmetic. And you could tell. I, I bet this is from the other rider hitting it because nothing else that should be hit before it has gotten hit yeah your your slider's fine your swing arm doesn't have a mark on it there's nothing there to make you go and that's what he said when i was like well where did you hit me he's like i think i hit your tire i'm like huh yeah you sure did (laughs) i have a mark on it i think so too um that's actually what made me go and relook at my wheel again i was like huh um what else like there's a little scuff on my axle nut (laughs) okay what's funny is you 
you essentially fell to the right, but the bike, because you were going into a right-hand turn. Yes. But the bike's damaged on the left side. So I, I think the bike flipped. And that's the thing. You say, It must have flipped Because it was pointing the other way when I got to it. If it flipped, it flipped midair without touching anything because the only thing that broke was your windshield on the top side of the bike. The rest of it doesn't look like it. I wish someone had video of it because it would ex- just just so I could like have a mental image of a hammock. I have no clue what happened. The I mystery. Just, one minute, I'm going into the turn. And next minute, I'm rolling through the turn. <laughs> um, lucky though, it's it's the slowest turn on the track. It's a second gear turn, but I mean, it's, it's like, like a hundred degree right hand bus stop of a turn, especially yeah. the way I do it, um, which is not the right way. But that was a turn that Brian Catterson taught me how to go through by repeatedly telling me to stop sucking at it. Yeah, he's I, like, "You're really good around the track. You just suck a turn for him." I, like, I got on the <laughs> Brian Catterson learning program because it's just. <laughs> I, like I was telling someone today, like I get it right like one out of ten times, maybe. Really? Like I know how to do it. I just what it is is I don't have good brake markers and turn in markers for that turn because there's not a lot of visual references on the track. Because what actually happens is you come out of turn three and the track actually opens it up. The yep. track almost gets about three times wider than it is at the corner exit. So you just kind of like you get kind of lost in this kind of purgatorial sea of asphalt yeah, and the exit kind of comes to like yeah almost like a bottleneck and the when kramer you make that sharp right hand turn yeah and the kramer doesn't need <clears> to swing all the way out to the left like the little bikes do and like say maybe like a cripple triple would. right it, it can line up more mid-track or in this case i was in the the right hand third to be defensive against huh. someone passing me on the inside right which i guess in reality now maybe wasn't Boy, such they a called great idea bluff. <laughs> yeah, they're like really <laughs> hold my beer hold yeah, on watch I got Check you. Look what I can do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had a good we had a good race uh, before that. We had a good weekend. We had some really good racing in my classes. Uh, some fast guys. A couple guys stepped up, um, which was awesome to see. And fast uh, guys. How about fastest girl ever? Okay, so this is the only thing I'm angry about. This is the <laughs> only thing out of all of it that I'm angry about. And this shows you how fucked up of a human being I am. The only thing I'm angry about is one ruined my points for that class. <laughs> well, you're wrecked. Yeah, it sure did. Because I had won that class the day before. Uh, that was my only victory from Saturday. So I was, I was sitting pretty there. Um, and it's a double points weekend. Oh. So, so. The only silver lining to that was myself, the other gentleman uh, who who was involved in the incident, and another fella were the top three guys in that class, and we all DNF'd. The other guy had a, a mechanical issue. Right. So at least like from like a champion, like we're all kind of like on an equal playing field of like, okay, we all DNF'd one race, and then you know, we'll see if we can catch the guy who's in the lead now because he's looking really good this year too. Um, he really stepped it up. I'm really proud of him. He was looking good at the end of last year, and it's just he he did not lose a step, whereas all of us that did. So, in the clubman championship, which is like our overall championship for everything that's not a six hundred or one thousand, they get like their own championship, right? Um, so we call it our clubman championship. Uh, Miss Miss Hannah had a perfect weekend. Miss Hannah Johnson won every race she signed up. I've for. never seen that many first first place uh, vouchers in any photo before. Forced to be reckoned with, dude. Uh, leads the club in championship with like 190 points or whatever it is. I would have been in second, eight points behind her had I finished oof, that race and oof. won. But you know that's racing. But now if you I'm don't like finish, 28 <laughs> points or something behind her, and you just sit there and you're like, and I'm like third in the championship. And I'm just like, 
Mm. It's like that, huh? We'll put that little Kramer back together, but you better get... Well, it's just like that. That's a lot some of... some more PRs from you. That's going to be a lot of work to catch that distance back up. So, we, need to, we need to put one of those stickers on the back of your... Like a patch in the back of your race suit, like on those truck that says, back off. <laughs> <laughs> Not here. <laughs> uh, if you can read this, you're too close. <laughs> yeah. It was good though. Qual- I qualified on pole, which was great. Giggity. Um, and immediately wasted that by <laughs> starting from pit lane in my first race because my tire pressures were off and I didn't realize it until I went to uh, pull the tire warmers off. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, you know, at the end of the day, like the, the, the short version to the story is it's just, it's just a lot of fun to go racing. And like the, the guys and girls in my class are just really good humans. Yeah. And I really like racing them. I like, I like them all on a personal level and I like the banter in the paddock and I like the camaraderie. And I feel like, you know, this is aside, like, I think they're all very safe riders. It's a very safe class to be in. You know, people generally don't make bad decisions. Um, and so it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun this weekend. Right. And that's my takeaway. I, got I a think little, even this instance isn't really, I, I wouldn't even chalk this up no. to bad decision. Just, no, it just, it was such a quick shit instance. Shit happens. Yeah, like, it wasn't somebody racing. riding badly. It wasn't somebody going out of their way to be dicks. No. And you're right. I mean, that, that whole crew aside, I think racing, club racing just, typically seems to bring out the village mentality everybody wants to help everybody to be fair to be uh, fair uh i did the exact same thing to this exact same rider the day before in a different turn <laughs> and it just it just worked out better you know we just got luckier you guys are just trying to swap fumes and they ended so, up swapping paint like, it's like it's just it just there's no i'm not upset about it you know i think some people would be upset i'm like i'm just not upset like it's just you mad bro that's the price of admittance. Like it, it just, you just had to pay the fee today. That's it. Um, everyone got away okay. No one's badly hurt. I could go race today if I had to. It mm, mm. breaks would be yeah, I don't interesting. Know if I'd try it. Yeah, I, I would try it though. I saw, I, I saw you try and pick up a thing from the ground. Yeah, earlier. that was. It's Not certain a, motions. I can't open the freezer door on my refrigerator. Luckily, it's a mostly right hand turns on that track, so you probably be all right going right. It's the left. It's the left side that seems to hurt a lot. I think the left would be better. I don't know, but. It was a lot of fun. We had a good weekend. It was good to be back on track. Weird with COVID restrictions and everything, but good to see the motorcycle family. And uh, uh, that was more or less my weekend, Shaheen. That's a pretty good weekend. What about yourself? I've had a relaxing weekend. I've been, you know, working, 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 work, 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 work. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of spent the weekend chilling. Haven't really even ridden the motorcycle except to ride to your house today. Um, I've had such great weather. What have you been doing? Why selling, are you selling you bikes, your mankini? What are you doing? Sell, I, I did have my mankini on yesterday, actually. T-Man likes it when I do that. Oh, yeah. You guys went to the... Uh, we went to a, an undisclosed location swimming hole in the state of Oregon and jumped in water that's roughly 55 degrees Fahrenheit. But it felt so good. On a 90-degree day, yeah. you jump in, you scream a little bit, and you're like, this is much better than being hot. <laughs> it feels good when you stop. <laughs> this doesn't suck. This doesn't suck at all. Uh, yeah, no, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, sort of concentrating on Ducatis. I've been riding a lot of Ducatis left and right. My poor bike kind of feels a little sad, I think, because I've ridden the V4S, the Street Fighter, the Scrambler 1100, which I'm kind of in love with right now. Um, what, have, what else have I ridden? The Diavel, the X-Diavel. I've just been putting miles in those, my, my demos, getting to know them a little bit. Nice. There's a lot to be said, but, you know, people are going to get drunk. We're talking a lot of Ducati. The drinking yeah, game is going to get out oh. of hand here. The next thing on my list is we're going to get drunk on. Because <laughs> you've been riding a lot of Ducatis. You've been riding. But you haven't been riding this Ducati. Not that Ducati. We've, we've been, I, you know, what a cool thing that you got to go 
first of all, your first real airplane trip in yeah. like four months. Oh, let's talk about that. What was that like being in an airplane again? I got like the tale of two cities on, on the airplane because leaving Portland, there was no one in the airport. There was like no one on my plane. There was no one in security. I literally just walked right through. <laughs> it was like a ghost town. Just I'm imagine like, you in the middle of the airport. Hello? Yeah. And nice. I'm like, is this the new normal? Like, I guess so. <laughs> this is super weird, but I'm cool with it because I'll just walk through security. There's just, yeah, there's no one like there was no one in the seat in front of me. There was no one in the seat behind me. There was no one in the the seat next to me. I huh. had my own my whole road to myself. It was a narrow body. So it's two by two with oh, the okay. seats. So it's not that big of a deal. But I was like, cool. Right on. This is, this does not get my anxiety level at all. Were you required to wear a mask in yes, an airplane? Which sucks. Awesome. Well, I'm but sure. I'm totally fine with it. I wear a mask 10 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> just. Try try wearing a mask all day long in the sun while you're at race day. Just oh yeah, I literally just my I have to throw my mask out. It is covered in oil and sweat, and it's broken, and it's just like. I think for those instances, you're better off with the pla- the the paper ones. I'm just gonna put like a hood on me or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, it should count. Like if you grow your beard out to a certain length, that should I mean, count. You should <laughs> you should be mask free. That thing. That thing's like a, a, a HEPA filter right this there. Is, this is the best balaclava ever in the winter. I don't have any air coming into my helmet. Everybody's like, go to wear a balaclava. No, I don't. Nah. I'm good. Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, let this mane here cover me. But yeah, my flight back was on Southwest. And like they weren't doing middle seats, which was cool. But they were doing... they That plane was 80% full. Wow. Um, and then like I landed in Portland and the airport was packed. And people were crazy. How was it like one where... On one trip, it was super quiet. On the other, it was no clue. Weird. I flew in on a Wednesday and it flew out on a Thursday, which makes no sense to me. Huh. Um, can, do consultants fly on Thursdays? I think consultants fly on Thursdays. That might be the difference. Hmm. Um, Got consulting to do. That's the thing. Like consulting, like there's a lot of those people are on the road Monday through. I think it's Monday through Thursday. They, they're away and then they're home Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hmm. Um, so... Like you, that's why if you book tickets for an airplane, like your Thursday, Thursdays when all the fares go go up, and you can see like Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Wednesday, I forget the days. Certain days are always cheaper than others, and it's weird, and it's because of consultants. You can tell you travel a lot. Yeah, I had no idea about this stuff. Anyways, um, so yeah, that was my first flight. Flew down to uh, San Jose, rented a car, drove to Laguna Seca to go ride the Ducati. Super V4. And like you said, Jaheen, very lucky to be able to do that. And, and like you got to warm up on a V4R. Oh my God. Like that was your warm up bike. <laughs> I think that was like, you know what? If they're going to wreck one, let, let's let them wreck the $40,000 bike, not the $100,000 bike. How bizarre is that? That's amazing. How bizarre. That's like, absolutely amazing. The whole experience is kind of surreal because you're on the plane. It's like, this is weird. I haven't done this in a while. Like I literally like, I feel like such a noob at the airport because I'm sitting there going, um, because Oregon doesn't have a real ID license, so right. licenses don't meet we will the federal October, I think. guideline or whatever. Yeah. And I hadn't like been keeping up on what the rules were, but I knew like that was meaning like a thing in the, in the summer. So I'm there with my passport being like, do I need my passport or my ID? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Hello. And then they got like a new, a new check-in machine where like, they don't need to see your ID. They just need to see your ticket. So I'm like, oh, okay. Let me get that out for you. And then this they got, the, they're picking now to change all the shit when nobody's around to like take notes. And maybe it's good that way. But then they got like a new scanner. Like, you don't need to take out your electronics. You're fine. And I'm like, okay. Cause I was like totally. Are shoes still having to come off? So I got to take your shoes off. God, Jesus. Yeah. All right. There's just no way around. I think they just like to fuck with people. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, I'm like feeling like a total new. It's just the whole thing's just real. And you get down there and you're like, I'm going to go ride. A, I've, let's put it this way. 
I've lived in houses that have cost less than a super luxury yeah. before. Yeah. Me too. Uh, so that's, that's just weird. Um, but it's, it's lucky because normally on a, on a, a launch like that, it would be at Magello or Qatar yeah, something or Valencia epic. or some MotoGP track, probably in Europe. And only one journalist from the U.S. would get to go, which means it's going to be Psycho World because reasons. Because Psycho World, yeah. reasons. And, and that means like guys like myself are just kind of shit out of luck. You just probably never, I've never ridden a Super Leger until now because of that very reason. Um, but because of COVID, there was like a European launch and then there's a U.S. launch. And in a couple of days, there's going to be an Asia launch. And it's like the same two or three pre-production super legeras oh, wow. traveling around the world basically so local media can can do the launches so for us it meant six u.s journalists could go to laguna seca we had the whole track to ourselves wow and have a private track day with a hundred and two hundred and three decibel limit which don't mean shit when the bike pops at 109 <laughs> <laughs> so so a couple of questions yes sir um, did you have to sign a waiver to ride this bike? Uh, there was a waiver. That basically said, if you wreck it, you've bought the parts for it? Or what's the story? There was a waiver. Next question. <laughs> There's some lawyers involved here, boys and girls. <laughs> um, All I know is, let's put it this way. I am not going to be on the hook for a $100,000 motorcycle. So it's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not happening. I'm just looking at that like, really? You want to own my house, huh? Okay, uh, no, just, I don't yeah, think so. I'm just a, I'm just a journalist, guys. <laughs> I'm just a journalist. Um, all right, other question. Do you think you got enough uh, time on one to be able to fairly talk about it? No. And that's what I was afraid of. No. That That's the thing that that if I have a criticism, I don't... And this is, this is like a thing just in press launches in general. Like, I always struggle with how much time we're given and maybe that's some of that's just personal like i'm a little bit slower of a boil than some of the usual test riders right um you get someone like michael gilbert who races a zx10r in moto america he's cycle world's test rider you know he can turn that switch on real quick rennie skateswood can turn that switch on real quick Ari Hanning can turn that switch on real quick troy sihan well he's just pretty he is so pretty. He's just so pretty. Can we just take a minute and talk about how pretty he is? He's just Was got he extra that, pretty on the Super He's just Legera? got the softest skin. Just, just, it's like, it's, it's like, like supple. It's like supple yet firm. Yeah. Um, mm, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you and I are both at least a foot taller than him, and I just feel oh like every so often you can just see he's like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable around you too. I don't like you. <laughs> Right, we had, we had dinner together, and you just get that. I don't like you. <laughs> I don't think Troy has the ability to dislike anybody. He's like the sweetest human being on the planet. <laughs> I dare say, he's prettier than Sturgeon. Oh yeah, everyone's prettier than Spurgeon. Come on, <laughs> I just called him Sturgeon. You by the way, not it's Spurgeon. Okay. It's fine. We have a silly name like Spurgeon. <laughs> you know you're gonna get called Sturgeon accidentally. It's gonna uh, happen. It probably happens to him all the time. That poor he guy must have had the worst middle school experience ever. He should have become a doctor though. Surgeon Spurgeon. Surgeon Spurgeon. Come on. Spurgeon, it's not too late. Go back to school. Go back to school, buddy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, I don't think... I think generally in press launches, we don't get enough time. And it's that's what's so bizarro to me, especially coming from like a track day where or a track day culture where it's like nine to five and you're going to get seven sessions on a bike. Right. 
press lunches are the same. We're on the track from nine until five, or we have the track nine until five. Usually we end at three, which is stupid. And you get like usually four sessions. You get two before lunch and two after. That's usually how it works. And for me, like it's 50 50 if I've been to that track before. So usually that first session is like just figuring out where the fuck I'm going. Right. Second one's like getting used to the bike and starting to like put things together. And I don't really start putting in good laps until that third or fourth and session. You didn't get to have a third session. So this one, like I've been to Laguna a lot before. I've been to Laguna on a Panigale before. Yeah, I feel like you can draw Laguna with but your I eyes. But I also haven't been point. on a motorcycle. I mean, I did two track days before this launch, so at least I wasn't totally rusty. But right. it was real how rusty you get six months, nine months of no riding. Um, I noticed that on my track day, I was about five seconds off my pace. Oh, we were all talking about it at this one, but Laguna is a very difficult track with a 200 horsepower motorcycle. I bet. And I've ridden the V4R and I, at, at Laguna and I loved it. It's a blast, but like turn one is no joke going into the corkscrew, you know, going up the hill blind is no joke going through all those turns. Like, coming out of the last turn which is a hairpin like wrestling a 200 horsepower bike to keep the front wheel down i mean electronics help you obviously but like it's real like it's it's work and i'm kind of spoiled now with my kramer because it's it's not nearly as much work so like this idea like oh you're gonna go ride what we called the fluffer <laughs> the v4r the what most unloved the most unloved panigale v4r in the history of oh, panigale that poor thing um just, just sitting in the shadow of that thing sitting there to get us hard basically oh that, poor thing that's <laughs> oh what an what an underappreciated piece of art that I poor know. thing was that day i know um so like you go out on like that but and that was the other thing like we weren't getting sessions well like it wasn't like we we're getting 15 20 minute sessions we we're getting five hot laps which at laguna is like 10 minutes 11 minutes yeah. or whatever it is so it's like like I only did f- 10 laps on the super Legere flying speed, which is really tough. So yeah, you would think on- with as little like bodies on the track, they would be able to like, it was like our track day at, at Moto Corsa. We're like, well, there's less people here. So you each get instead of 20 minute sessions, 30 minute sessions. Good luck. I would have been stoked with a fleet of Panigale V4S's and just rip those for like a couple hours and do some laps, step up to the V4R and then step up to the super Legere. Like I think, I'm not going to tell Ducati how to do their business, but it's just, it's just really hard to get off a plane, do five hot laps on a V4R, immediately turn around, like no break. We, we could have taken a break if we wanted to, but right. there's no point. And then just swing a leg over a super Legere V4 and go do a lap and expect like any sort of real performance. I mean, it's great in the sense that you get that back to back AB analysis. Like right. there's very obvious differences between a V4R and a super Legere V4 that maybe don't come across in the the stats so easily i mean it's easier to ride a super Legere v4 for instance it's an easier bike to, to ride it's lighter it don't doesn't take as much work they make the same power but the electronics are better everything works better the brakes are better like everything about it is better and it's easier to ride and it's more of a scalpel so it takes away some of that wrestling match that you have to have with a super bike which is rad but you know, like that first session on the super, I'm just still going like, I'm still trying to figure like shift points out and like what gears I'm going to be in where, and you know, we've got like the noise restriction going up the hill. So there's like cones that we have to like, kind of like, all right, what am I doing here? What's right. the best way through it? And there's like prairie dogs running across the track. <laughs> no, no joke. I think yeah, at yeah. least one prairie dog got hit. Jesus. Um, 
And so like, I didn't really feel comfortable on the bike. Like I was actually riding that motorcycle until the third lap of my second slash last session on it. And you're sitting there and go like, man, that's just, just, that's, a just a more. Re- that's just a real narrow window to really evaluate a motorcycle. I think Ducati took us seriously when we keep saying daddy gets a taste. You literally just got a taste. Just a little taste. Uh, I mean, the, the bike's rad. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everything about that bike is rad. I just, I would love to spend like another, I wish I had at least one more session on it because then I could have like a whole session putting down flyers that I was proud about. Like I did right. some onboard video. I'm not even sure I'm going to post it because like honestly, I'm saying like, I don't think I did any laps that are worth sharing just with the public. Around like they're, the bike. they're a little embarrassing in a little way. Cause I'm just <laughs> going like, I haven't quite figured out this bike on this track yet. And Laguna is a tough track to launch a bike like that. Right. Um, obviously we have like restrictions and it's COVID and like, you know, Ducati's making the best out of the situation. That's not their fault. I don't fault them at all for it, but I do wish I had more time. And, um, and like it was one of those things where, um, like one of the issues we were having today is the, the photography isn't terribly good because you had 10 laps of getting us on the track. Yeah. So they're going to actually reshoot it. I think they're doing a track date tomorrow that I can't make now because they, just for, just for photo ops. Yeah. For photo ops. Um, and I wish I would have more of an opportunity. Like I just, I'm too battered. My gear is too banged up. I yeah. can't take another day off. I've taken basically a week off at this point. Well, to, let's talk about, stuff. let's talk about the highlights at least. Okay. The highlights. So let's, let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, the bike's amazing. The bike, I love the way it looks in person. Um, it's the fit and finish is fantastic. Like if you're going to pay a hundred thousand dollars, for a motorcycle, it better look fucking good, and it does. So yeah. Like, like, actually, we have a, I have a, a coffee date with a mutual friend who's interested in buying one now. To, I to know talk who it is. <laughs> yes, you yep. do. You do. So, uh, right there, it's like check. Um, the carbon work is amazing. I got to. They had like the swing arm, the wings, the uh, rear subframe, and the forward frame all there for us to like hold and look at and you just look at it like the forward frame has some interesting carbon work which i'm just gonna say it's interesting (laughs) but it's all super light it's all super um well finished except for that front frame there's some interesting parts there what do you mean interesting keep saying that i just i just looked at like the way i don't know carbon so i used to work with composites when i sailed but obviously the game has changed considerably since then so like normally like when you see a carbon fiber part it looks very similar to what i was working with in sailing but the technology has progressed now that they can do things and use molds and stuff that's different. And it kind of freaks me out when I look at it sometimes. Uh, and like you look on the inside of the front fender or the front frame and it just, it's that like just new technology. And I just look at it, I'm like, huh? What kind of wizardry if is this? If I had made that, I would have thrown it out because that's uh, not right. <laughs> but you guys have like autoclaves and molds and presses and like nanotube whatever's. I'm like, that's, that's, <laughs> It's interesting. Like, all right, that's how we're doing it now. Fascinating. Um, it's just not visually as beautiful, let's put it that way. Um, but because that were, part's sort of hidden, so it doesn't have to be that pretty. Yeah, but it's cool. They were able to make the chassis more rigid um, because it's more track focused, and I think, and it's obviously a lot lighter. Um, what we <laughs> we were actually kind of like all joking, like we want to go down to Walgreens and get two scales because Ducati won't release the wet figure for this bike. I'm sure. So. It'd be cool if like one showed up at a dealership and I could show up with my scales and we could find that, that number out. That'd be an interesting thing to do in the future. But the bike weighs 335 pounds dry with the race kit on, which is bonkers. Wow. So 
even if Ducati is like really fudging the math, you're talking about like a 350, 360 pound bike. That's just insanity. With uh, homologated for the US, it'll be a 209 horsepower motorcycle. Is that before you slap on the race kit? Before you slap on the race kit. So you're losing like 11 horsepower or 12 horsepower from the European model to the US model. But putting the race kit model on brings them both to the same 235, 234 horsepower, I believe. It's not even a real number when it comes to motorcycle horsepower. I mean, just how bonkers is that? I mean, just just imagine that. It's just... But somehow being that light... 233 horsepower. That's that's just bonkers territory. Somehow being that light and that powerful, you're still saying it's easier to ride than the V4R. It's easier to ride. So that's the thing. So... Obviously, you're going to put carbon wheels on it. That's right. going to lower your rotating mass. That's your unsprung mass. We know lighter wheels improve the handling of a motorcycle. Right. More rigid chassis gives better feedback. Easier to throw around. There's, I forget how many pounds off the top of my head. I want to say it's close to like 50 pounds less than I mean, a V4R. it's already a light motorcycle. So you're already a V4R. It's already a lightweight bike. That's the thing. And the V4R is, not like, you and I have talked about it on the podcast. I rode the V4R around yeah. Laguna Seca. I threw the keys at the PR guy and I said, worth every fucking dollar. Yeah. Like I if got, you had $40,000 laying around, you're going to buy a super bike. Done. I got off that bike. The CEO of Ducati North America comes up to me and goes, what'd you think? And I said, fucking terrifying. And I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> the bike is terrifying because it's just so fast. It's so good. The power, it's, I mean, the motor, there's di- very subtle differences between that motor and the V4R motor that's got a light and camshaft. And they're not really shaft. talking about the differences, are they? No, it's weird. They won't, they, we know it has a lighter cam. We, there's other things that are lighter that we don't know about, which right. is so bizarre to me that Ducati's not talking about it. And the rear exhaust headers have been changed because the carbon fiber swing arm is a different shape than the aluminum swing arm on the regular bike. Because it's more rigid. And so, therefore, the the pipes had to move to make space for the extra beam, basically, that they've right. added to the, uh, the swing arm. Um, those are the, the, the major difference. At the end of the day, the bikes make the same amount of power. So, it's like, yeah, the motors are different. But in terms of what you're going to experience on the bike, the motors are the same. The big difference, though, is Ducati has changed the electronics. This is like they're in, I don't know how they're going to brand it, like Evo 2. I wonder if this is like the the segue into the next exactly. street bike electronics. So, you get to, you get a sample now as a $100,000 exactly. bike owner. This is exactly what's going to be. No one would say this, but it, total telegraph. Right. This is exactly the electronics that are going to be on the 2021 bikes, and they're probably going to charge you 500 bucks extra. Probably. And maybe you can reflash your 2019 model for an extra 500 bucks or whatever it is, 750 which... We can have a little conversation. Right. Um, they're, they're really good, though. And the way they lay out the dash as a race dash um, looks, I mean, that's the way it should be. It's so, so you still easy. have three riding modes, and then is there different modes within the race okay. mode? So there are two riding modes oh. plus five user modes. Oh. Five or three? I think so it's can five. you like set it up per track if you're like if you frequent ah. three tracks you can set it up accordingly. The bike knows what track you're at. What? It has a GPS, so, so it has sector times, it has lap times that it'll pop up on the screen. It remembers when what kind of dark, it remembers dark, dark, your sessions at this? the track. So that this is the part where you're saying like the whole data side of this motorcycle we didn't even get to touch on is just fascinating. Um terrifying that Ducati has my lap data because it's not good. <laughs> um but it's just fascinating. 
Uh, so that's a whole other can of worms we could get into, Shaheen. But the um, uh, I lost my train of thought. What was your question? Oh, you're, oh, we're talking about the different modes within the modes. Ah, yes, the writing modes. So there's a race A, right, which is just full ludicrous mode. <laughs> just fuck. It, it should be called fuck you mode. Just fuck off mode. It's just you. You twist the throttle. This is Chad Davies says, mode right here. Fuck you, <laughs> and you just you're like a rocket ship to the moon. Like if Elon Musk could harness this technology, would have landed on Mars already. <laughs> um. And then race B, what they did is they they basically used the ride by wire to create throttle maps to bring down the torque in the first few gears, huh. so it's more manageable. And it's not that different, truthfully, than what they do like in World Superbike, where it's like in first gear, like they know like if you give it a hundred percent throttle, you're gonna have a front wheel at noon. Yeah. And so it's that same thing. I didn't notice as much of a difference between race A and race B as they made it sound like in the presentation. Um. Like, I mean, they made race A sound scary, but well, I think you just the bike, said it's fuck off mode. I think the bike is scary enough in race B. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like for me, like it just, I I wouldn't see a huge difference between the two. Um, but again, I mean, like five laps on each. So that bike doesn't have the electronic suspension on it, or does it? Does not. Okay, uh, that is a super legera thing yep. that they will put mechanical suspension because it saves like seven pounds. Yeah um and truthfully the bike is designed to be a track bike i love the electronic suspension on street bikes like like on the street fighter makes yeah. a ton of sense for the Panigale v4s it makes a little bit less sense but i still get it but for the v4r for the super legera mechanical bits and pieces it's a known quantity you know how you get how many turns on the preload right. clicks on the on the dampening um and that's what it is here and like you know i thought the bike felt a little soft so our first session we went out with like a stock setup and then they, they tweaked a couple things for us in the second session. And, uh, it still felt a little soft for me. I think I needed a lot more preload, uh, especially in the rear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> freezing over here. Yeah. I'll just hold on and take a sip. <laughs> this, this talk show brought to you by green drinks. <sighs> when Jensen wins, uh, three races, he gets a Mountain Dew. The That's next day. right. <laughs> That's how that works. Um, so it felt a little soft, but it's all in suspension. It's fully adjustable. You can make it, you can, you can tailor it to, to taste the Stylema, the Brembo still the Brembo Stylema R calipers, um, are rad. They Super have tasty. a, uh, an aluminum piston, but it's diamond. It has a, a diamond like coating on it and just fucking, they're so good for a street legal caliper setup it is so good this is on a bike that you can buy at a dealership with a warranty That's on it always a thing. so that was the funny thing right when i was doing my little like gone riding you know pre-story thing come ask me questions right. I, I do the little like comparison chart and i'm sitting there like what fucking bikes do you compare a super legera v4 to like the previous super legera is like Man, i guess maybe like that's where i was like starting i was like you know what honda rc 213 vs bmw hp4 race i think those are the only two bikes you can really compare this model to and the thing that like really kills me is just like 
Hi, uh, my name is Ducati. I'm going to sell you this uh, amazing motorcycle. It has a two-year warranty, and uh, rideable. it makes uh, 233 horsepower out of a one-liter motor on pump gas, <laughs> and uh, it's made completely of carbon fiber, and uh, it's totally road legal. So well, we, we talked about this, about the HC4 race bike versus the last generation uh, Superleggera, where BMW's like, look at this amazing bike we made, and Ducati's like, step aside. Hold my beers. Just hold my... Hold my, hold my uh, Pasta and look at these. Uh, like, you, remember on the BMW, we talked about it. Like, the dash, you feel like you need a degree on, like, just how to manage that dash in that BMW because it comes set up for a race team. Whereas Ducati's like, no, no, just press these buttons. You can do the things. It's really easy. Let's let's play a game. Like, if you, if you were just going to track this bike, which is what I would just do, I would never ride this bike on the street for fear of just bird be, poop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This fucking bug touched it. You ah. could take the license plate off, the mirrors, the headlights, all that shit. You could take that 335 pounds dry and get that close to 300 pounds dry, oh, which God. is just bananas. Just silly. Just bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. So, uh, it's just an impressive machine when you think about it. And the race exhaust comes with it. They have a superbike experience and 30 customers get a MotoGP experience, which sounds like basically a once in a lifetime kind of yep. thing you get to go ride a motor gp bike that's a bonkers which if you've ever looked at that on the motor gp pass when you want to buy that that pass it's like 10 grand itself yeah so like yeah it's a hundred thousand dollars but it comes with some good perks you got about ten thousand dollars in parts and a ten thousand dollar riding. i don't know they weren't really clear on what the riding experiences if those were included if those were extra if they were extra how much they cost maybe you know as a dealer because you're gonna have to deal with this yeah, i don't know yeah I'm, i've got my i've got my rep doing some homework for me on this one because as we speak we may end up seeing three of these in my shop Ooh, second so way three of them mm-hmm. game on Ducati. um but like so they kind of make it worth your while i'm it's still a ridiculous expensive motorcycle but when i go and look at the closest thing I've ever ridden, because I, I missed the the Honda launch because I, I broke my collarbone. The uh, HP4 race is the closest thing I think I've ridden to this bike. Right. And that's a track-only right. bike. Like, not street legal. It has, has to be rebuilt every couple hours. That's a ridiculous machine. It's 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 a beautiful machine. Oh, yeah. It's a, if, you got, if you got one and didn't pay the $78,000 asking, Job you, well done. You, you, you bang on, brother. Uh-huh. Like you can't be a motorcycle geek and look at that bike and not freak out. The a thing bit. with that bike is it is a race bike. Yep. It, that they went just a little too far down that race <laughs> rabbit. They hole. They went full race on that. Whereas thing. I think like Ducati thread that line, especially with the new electronics and the new dash. It looks like a race bike, but it's still user friendly enough to yeah. be a consumer bike. You don't need to have a laptop to extract the best out of it. Whereas like the BMW HP4 race, you need a laptop and three engineers. Um, I, but it's that same level where you're like, oh yeah. This has got all the cool shit. All of it. I mean, so much. I think the HP4 race had better brakes. And, I think uh, Ducati Ducati does this thing where you're like, that. you know, the average rider who has $100,000 laying around can ride this thing. That's the thing. You can totally take this down to, the, down to your Starbucks. Yeah. Um, on the next bike show and bike uh, night and just blow everyone's heads off. It's just silly. It's just silly. Uh, what else stands out? Um, it's so loud. That exhaust is, is so wow. And that's what the so you got to ride the race kitted out. Ours bike? was race kitted, yes. Does it pop oh so loud on upshifts? It pops, it snarls. It was 109 decibels through that's the amazing. control tower. I won't say which journalist, 
broke the rules of Laguna Seca and got the ire of the sound <laughs> control, but it was 109 decibels. Um, l- 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 let me repeat one more time. This is a bike you can buy at a dealership. <laughs> Do you understand? Like the idea of that just yeah. blows my head off every time I think of it. This is like this is like the car world. Somebody's like, oh yeah, here's a Formula One car. You just come to the Mercedes dealership and pick up your Formula One car. The wings look cool. <laughs> I mean, the, the wings. That was the thing I was really curious to see is how the wings would work, especially compared to the V4. R how was it? Overturn one. Um, it's ridiculous. The thing is, you didn't get to ride it long enough to get fast enough to be able to answer my question of is it planted more through a turn? Yeah, I mean. I mean, truthfully, like Laguna is just a bunch of second gear turns. Yeah. There isn't really like the, here's a good example going up the hill up to the corkscrew. Mm-hmm. That bike wants to wheelie up that hill. <laughs> Understand like, yeah, and, that, like and that hill kind of has kind of a step to it. Towards not even, the end not even before the step. Like I'm talking like corner oh, exit. God. That I just bike imagine wants to be like airborne on that step. Going. And it is very planted. Like it sounds weird to be like it's very planted going up the hill. That's where I noticed like it being very planted. I noticed it being very planted over turn one. Um turn one's just bonkers. Turn one is crazy because you're pretty much wide open throttle going through that thing. If you're dumb, <laughs> which I have a little too much self preservation for that, but it's it's impressive. Like you look at the aerodynamics on it, they have all these strakes and winglets and vents and tips and um it looks I think it looks good. I think it's a good looking machine with those wings. I know I know the wings are polarizing, but I love that technology factor for it. Um I think it's I think they're a great compromise. Like I don't think Laguna is a great track to highlight those wings i think if you can push like Qatar, it Qatar would have been fun if, yeah if you can push it over turn one which not very many people can do you might see a difference there but what was really noticeable for me on a different press launch was when we were at Magello and the transition down the front straight to the brakes how quickly the bike the weight transfer happens the weight transfer has already happened because of the winglets the winglets have already preloaded right the front forks so when you grab the brake there isn't that weight transfer of the bike you know going from acceleration so all the way from the rear pushing all the way to the front half of that transfer has already happened so you get a more immediate braking effect and you get better feel and it's just that's the coolest thing was that noticeable on this launch no but i know that isn't an effect of the winglets and that's with twice the downforce is only going to be better than what the v4r was so you can infer a pretty good improvement with that, I think, safely. Okay, the big question. Yes, sir. If you had a hundred grand. Oh my God. If I had a hundred grand. No, I'd wait for next year's model. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like it was funny because we had a lot of commenters like, oh, the price tag of this. And it's like, you know what, bro? All I hear is you're angry that you don't have a hundred thousand yeah. dollars for a motorcycle. I mean, that's really I get it. It's a super special specialty uh, motorcycle, and you and I have talked about it before. You can, if you're going to make a cool specialty bike like this, make it ridiculous. This is pretty damn ridiculous. It's it's. I mean, I have a hard time answering that question because I don't live in that world. Um, I know I know this. You're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on it. Thank God, Oregon doesn't have sales tax. Point five percent, I think. So it's nothing. <laughs> 
Is it really? Yeah, there's a, a, it's, a, it's some kind of a road tax that we paid uh, since uh, like two years ago. It sounds like some some added on dealer fee if you ask no, me. No, I wish. No, every if you buy a new vehicle, you pay it now. I forgot what it's called. It's got a really s- interesting name. It's a pro. Oh, it's a it's a it's a privilege tax, like a road privilege tax. Ha! Okay, that's literally what it's called. So that's like a road use tax. In yeah, and fuel. it doesn't have to be a vehicle over a certain price tag. Any new vehicle. That's interesting. Um, I lost my train of thought. Would you buy it if you had uh, that money? I know, I know. You go and buy you buy that that bike for a hundred thousand dollars. You take it off the dealer showroom floor. It's it's immediately going to be worth like sixty or seventy. So that's that's a tough pill to See, swallow. That's, that's being talked about from someone who doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars to spend on a motorcycle. Most well, people that that I'm, spend that kind of money don't look at. I'm getting there, Shaheen. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Cool, cool your jets, Mister General Manager. <laughs> all right, all right. Spin your lies on your own time. Um, <laughs> buy the warranty. <laughs> buy the undercoating. Buy the under warranty. <laughs> uh, so I mean, like, like from an investment, I've heard people talk. Well, oh, it's an investment. Like, well, it's an investment. It's a shitty investment. It's going to depreciate like thirty yeah. percent almost immediately. We've seen like the Demos, Desmos Adichis still haven't gotten back to their original value. None of the Superleggeras have. Like, if you're going to come at this from a rational bean counter point of view, then like you shouldn't be buying any vehicles no. whatsoever. Don't buy any vehicle. Just Unless buy an it's old like a something. 1982 Mercedes Benz turbo diesel for $1,500. Right. Or a Porsche. I guess Porsches are kind of going up in value, like mm-hmm. old, boring, air cooled ones. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm going to get some hate mail on that. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that motorcycles are shitty investments. Yep. Um, that's just been my experience. It's just, you don't buy it as a monetary investment. I don't believe right. it. So then you get into exclusivity and, you, and like some people are like, oh, it's just a V4R with some carbon bits. And you're like, what a shitty understatement. The, okay. Like the motors are similar. They're very similar. They're, they're non-identical twins. Let's call them. They're fraternal <laughs> right. twins. They're twins. Other. One of them became a doctor. The other one's a lawyer. Yeah. You know, they're pretty <laughs> much the same douchebag, just wrapped in a different coat. Um, so like yeah, but you get down to the nitty gritties. You look at those two bikes side by side. I've never seen a V4R more pedestrian in my entire life. What a funny thing to say, right? Like I still we have a V4 V4R in my showroom, and not a day goes by when I don't walk past that bike and pet it. There's like, so hey, I many, love you. There's so many details on the Superleggera that like get lost in the press materials and the marketing materials that just stand out and look good. And so it's like. And that, and that, and that was the proof on the track. When you get on the track and you're like, this is not just a tarted up V4R. Right. It is a fundamentally different motor. Like it feels like a different motorcycle on the track than the V4R was. So from that perspective, it's like, okay, yeah, you're not just getting a V4R plus. You are getting something tangibly better, tangibly more sophisticated with all the latest parts. It looks, it looks a hundred thousand dollars standing still. And that's where I think that bike starts making a lot of sense. I heard myself say that. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, it becomes, it, it makes more sense of just in the fact and it makes more sense in the way that it, it exists right. where it's like, okay, we're going to take a crazy motorcycle, a $40,000 super bike, which is a lot of fucking like, money. Like it's just, it's just already crazy. And we're going to take it to the next level. And is there, you know, 2.5 more times more value here. No, of course not, but it is better. It is, it is marketably better. Yeah. And it's also extremely exclusive. There's going to be about a hundred, maybe 120 of these coming to the U S it's about a quarter to a third, not a, sorry, not a quarter. 
it's about a fifth to a fourth of the total production usually makes it to the US. So like you're in a very exclusive club. You're you're owning something that is at the absolute pinnacle. There is no bike better than this in my mind. Um I mean, am I still going to probably go buy an RSV4 over this? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't have $100,000 yeah, either. Yeah, you got maybe 18 grand laying around yeah. you want to buy that. <laughs> so, <you know? laughs> um, so there's like that. But um, you know, I'm still it, looking at a street I, fighter for myself. <laughs> I still enjoyed it more than the HP4 race. Knowing what the Honda was when it came to the US with its 100 horsepower nonsense. Right. I still think it's a better buy than that. Which you had to pay more money for to get the extra horsepower, which, didn't you? Which, no, you can't even do it in the US. Oh, they won't even sell you the pack. Um. So, like, from a bike that you're actually going to enjoy and actually go ride, like, yeah, I think, I don't think, I, I think it has no equal, Shaheen. And if that costs you $100,000, like, I'm sorry, that's what the price of having no equal costs. And if you can't ball at that level, you can bitch and complain in the comment section all you want, but know that everyone's knowing your complaint is because you just don't have the bankroll. Plain and simple. I don't have the bankroll. I'm also a very frugal person, so I'm going to find a used RSV4 or something like that instead, but I got that's not one. the point. You got a used RSV4? Yeah. Don't say things like that around me. <laughs> Don't say things like that. Listen, man, I am henceforth the little devil on your shoulder. Um, I think for the person looking for the pinnacle, that's what the spike is for. Yep. And you have to pay to play to get that point of view. That's if actually the best. If you're looking for the best bang for your buck, if you're a penny pincher, if you're looking for that good deal, you're 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 like me, but you're a different kind of buyer. So, um, the, the thing that the only, the let's do cons. The only thing I can gripe about is knowing Ducati, a Panigale V4 1100 is certain to come out next year. Um, and it'll make 250 horsepower and have laser beams and even more wings on it. Freaking lasers on its freaking forehead. Um, you know, that's what they did with the 1199 Superleggera versus the 1299 Superleggera. And like... I don't fault him for that. Um, but it's just kind of like, it's a little predictive. You're like, well, do I, do I get this super one or do I get the next super one? Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of me that's just like, how many times can you make a super Legera and like, it's still cool and like attention getting apparently three times, apparently three times. <laughs> but like, I, I do feel like I do hope somewhere in the product planning, someone's just like, okay, we're going to make a production bike. But we're not going to base it off of like the current superbike. We're going to imagine if there wasn't any rules, or, or imagine like let's give like a hub center steering. Like, well, that's dude, what we were talking about get, last time. Just do crazy. something insane. Just get crazy. Yeah, go bonkers. It. Make a make a street like 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 the like the Desmo CGC R. Make a GP17 yeah style bike. What I, what I think that was so cool about the Desmo when it came out was that it wasn't based on a street bike. Yeah, it was a it was it wasn't a MotoGP bike with lights like the Honda is. Literally, they just took a watered down version of the MotoGP bike to that price point where they could make it affordably. Right. It was a completely new motorcycle that was based fairly loosely off of the MotoGP program, but it was its own thing that was yeah. special, and I think no that's rules. why those bikes are still special today. Yeah. And I hope Ducati like the 2022 Superleggera is more like that. That's it's probably my, 2023. It seems to be a three year. They do one every year, don't they? Mm-mm. The last Super Leisure was 2017. Oh, I have to double check that. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so whatever it is, whatever it is, that would be my only kind yeah. of like, hey, Claudio idea. But I mean, we live in the right now. We're not promised tomorrow. <laughs> There's a 
global pandemic if you yeah, haven't heard <laughs> uh strike while the fire's hot <laughs> so um yeah um this bike is definitely made for the few that can it's not even the fact of affording it. it's a matter of of appreciating it for what it is and they probably have a collection and they want to add it to it and it makes them happy and they ride it a couple of track days a year maybe and just you know grin at it and go hey you know it's just that other thing that's really special to me and and in the grand scale of things the person that usually buys that kind of vehicle has a fleet behind them and like a hundred grand to them it's not that it's nothing but it's you know you look at some of their cars you're like oh yeah this is nothing to you but nine out of ten times i've met a handful of these people they have such a love in their heart for that that one special thing whether it's the hp4 or the hondo or the you know superleggera or the desmos dici you can see when they look at that that means so much more to them than that you know half million dollar porsche or this or that or whatever is in their garage um it's it's such a and we've talked about it ad nauseum about this you know the sport and this lifestyle it's so emotional and this bike really touches on a lot of these emotions the the, the few people that i've spoken to that are talking about buying it you can just see like they have like this the you know heart eye emoji on their face like oh that's the thing i'm gonna get it yeah um i mean like i should talk to the sales guy about it um but i had the distinct impression that ducati is not hurting selling 500 units of these so my complaints my gripes my thoughts are probably moot in the point that like hey we, we can sell 500 of these all day long stop complaining yeah like we don't need help on this one, um, I mean, that, talk- and, that, and that's the test. Like if if the market will will buy five hundred units of a hundred thousand dollar motorcycle, then mission accomplished. Yeah. You know, I don't think the margins on a Superleggera V four are terribly great, uh, but they're making money on it. Yeah, and so win win. You got a rad bike. You're making money on it, and you're trouncing the competition and what they have on the market and you've seen other brands like mv augusta anytime they make something super special it sells that's the one that the people are looking forward to it's that it's that one crazy cliffhanger they're like oh what's next what's the next one and they don't make a ton of them they make a couple of hundred of them and they get they get snatched up pretty quickly yeah um yeah i mean i i think i'm very fortunate to have gotten a chance to ride it it's uh it's unlike anything else um, that's, that's one of the perks of the job. And, and it's one of those things like even, even being in the position I'm in, it's such a hard thing to get the opportunity to do because it's right. so small and select. Right. So to have this, it's like the one good thing that has come from coronavirus, in my opinion, for, from for me professionally is like, because we couldn't have just one press launch in Italy with one American journalist, we got to do these like kind of micro things. I'm actually talking to Rennie right now. I guess they're going to do a track day at, uh, big willow tomorrow that i won't be able oh, wow. to get down to um that'll, that'll help. maybe let them open it up a little bit yeah so i'm a little bummed about that actually but uh that's just how it is i'm in portland at least you got to ride one man i really don't want to get on a plane again either nope. hell no <laughs> plus uh, you got some healing to do a little healing to do all my gear is toast it's just too quick of a turnaround i mean i guess i could do it i just wouldn't have an airbag which is no, an which issue. is <laughs> uh which truthfully i won't get on the track without one especially on a 233 horsepower motorcycle no thank you big willow too oh my god talk Oof. about one of the most terrifying Oof. tracks yeah the like come off the track there you're falling mm, a little bit. you you die there <laughs> it's crazy That's to just, me nah. i have a fairly 
especially on a windy day yeah. uh, that track is terrifying to me yeah not a fan <laughs> um so that was bullet point one nice good i'm glad we covered it, it was a big bullet point oh my god it we're an hour and change in uh what else do i have on my list here shane zx 25r finally came out dude how cool is that little 50 thing? horsepower how cool is that thing i love it it's and almost and like, like having they, a two-stroke, but it's not a two-stroke. And anyone says, like, why would you get this instead of a Ninja 400? Does not understand It's just not the same. This. And, like, Ninja 400, like, I was actually talking with someone this weekend about it. Not a great race bike. It's very much like a, it's very much a street chassis. Yeah. It's better than the Ninja 300, but the Ninja 300 daily rider. great. Like, I think, I think Kawasaki, don't get me wrong, I think Kawasaki did a great job with this bike. The price point's perfect. It's got a lot of features. It is such an improvement over the Ninja 300. A plus in my book. But to sit there and be like, this is like the best bike ever. I'm like, no, 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 no. I would love to ride the CX-25R and see what it's all about. But if you can't get excited about a four-cylinder engine in a 250cc <laughs> format <laughs> revving to 17,000 RPMs, oh, oh. then I just don't know what kind of joy you're I, missing out on life besides this. Are we going to get it here? No. God damn it. No. Come I, on, Kawasaki. Kawasaki should do with it what they did with the H2 and the H2R and what and what New Zealand is doing with this bike, where have it be a pre-order only. Right. You have a window. There needs to be like a thousand people or whatever need to sign up for it. Yep. And then it comes in at eight thousand dollars. Can you imagine like the 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 race brackets and club racing with that bike? That that bike would be amazing. Well, yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd, it'd fit probably in any class that a Ninja 400 fits in. It just, it's just so different. It's just so weird. It's just so intriguing that like sometimes you just have to stop thinking in like these like set right. silos and like boundary like, well, it, it wouldn't fit into any racing. Like who gives a fuck? It would just be a cool bike yeah. to go ride, to go rip around on and like. Racing groups are always going to make a class for something. Like, you always can wedge it in somewhere. Well, that bike would be so neat that, you know, like, I mean, just like think of the, you know, the club here. How many of you guys picked up the Kramer? Because it just sort of worked for what you were trying to do. The Kramer is not the best bike at Portland. It is not. No. It is down. (laughs) We were down 12 miles an hour on the front straight, which is huge. But it's a cool bike. Super cool. It's different. It's fun. They crash really well. Pick one up and go race with it immediately. Turnkey. Um, now, so like, I'm obviously into the weird bikes. I'm a firm believer. I love this bike. I think I think it's a huge mistake that it's not coming to the U.S. I agree. Or, I agree 100%. At least in some sort of pre-order form. I get like, okay, maybe not every dealer needs to carry one. Maybe it's a little bit of a niche. But I bet they can make a buck on it. That would be such a cool bike. That, that would, like, talk about cool bikes that you, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg on. That would be one of those. I mean, it's. It's not an arm and a leg, but it might be a, an arm. An arm. It's like, it's like ZX6 pricing for a little 250. Oh, that's an interesting thing to think about. ZX6 with no ABS is $99.99. Right. So it's just under 10000 I think this price in the US at 8000 makes sense. It's like 7000 when you do the currency exchange from right. Indonesia. I think you could bump it to eight and get a little, a little margin. That would be amazing. I'd and, be all over it. And like... Eight grand. Eight grand's not bad. Eight grand's like an FZ09. Is an FZ09 eight grand? I don't even know. They used to be like seventy nine ninety nine. I don't yeah, know if they still are. I think I'm right. <clears throat> when they first came out. Let's see how good Jensen is with pulling Ooh. motorcycle prices off the top of his head. This is a fun game. 
I feel like an F Zero Seven's like sixty nine. No, like fifty nine. I feel like an F Zero Seven's like six. And I feel like an F Zero Nine's like eight. Let's mm. see how I do. Let's see how I do. Hyper naked. Where am I at? Mt. Well, what? Well, I just moved. You went to the Mt. Mt09. $9,000. MTO7, $7,500. Oh, I don't know. I was giving them cheaper. So that's the thing. Like, would you buy an MTO7 or this Ninja? Ninja. Ninja. 100%. 100%. I mean, MTO7 is a good bike. Super good bike, but I still take that little. I mean, the idea of a 250cc four cylinder that redlines at 17,000 RPM, that to me is like old school motorcycle talk. I get so excited about that. That's like getting. It's like Aprilia said, oh, we're going to bring the two-stroke two RS250 back. I would get yeah. just as excited about it. Yeah, that's fair. I like where your head's at on that one. I'm on board. So that's interesting, Shaheen. Um, I don't know if anyone at Kawasaki is listening, but I have thoughts. <laughs> you're listening. I can bring them here. Do the right thing. I put up a poll <laughs> when that... <laughs> you know. Giggity. Easy. Easy. <laughs> you know. Phrasing? Uh, I took a sampling of uh, people's opinions. <laughs> Uh, when the, when the pricing in New Zealand came out and I said like, Hey, if this bike costs $10,000, you know, would you buy it? And a thousand people responded over a thousand people responded and like a quarter of them were like hard yeses and another quarter were maybes. Maybes. So that's 500 people right there. Yeah, dude. I I just did like half your market research for you. you. Didn't even charge you for that one. I know. It's a freebie. Freebie. Um, at least bring one here for us to ride for a couple of weeks just to like be like, give it a test. I don't know if I would go through the trouble to gray market one of those, but there will be a market for gray oh, sure. market. 25 years. Yeah. We're going to see one of these here. Yeah. It'll, it'll be, be worth. And someone's going to sell it for $12,000. Someone's going to show up with it. Everyone at the track Ugh. is going to show up and be like, don't do it, man. These. These are awesome. Don't make it like one of these Nissan GTRs that people are paying 47, 40 something thousand dollars for with a right hand drive bullshit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a cool car. I love them to death, but come on. Side business. Oh, shame. We should do a little import export. That's a thing. Um, I'm Iranian. We we are all about import export. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I met someone the other day. I'm like, well, what do you do? Like import export? I'm like, okay, you can't <laughs> like you just can't like say that. So like spices, guns, cars. Like, just, what are we at here? <laughs> like you're Everything. just not shady enough for that to be like. You need to come up with a better title for what you. That's do. awesome. Import uh, export. Import export. <laughs> it's the best job description ever. It's the name of this episode now. <laughs> I mean, technically, I am in import-export now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I get to use that line as an Iranian. Yes. See? Achievement unlocked. See? <laughs> uh, last thing I want to talk about is this Metzler track day focus slick, the Race Tech TD. I-, I was so excited to see that happen. Look at Metzler stepping in. This is a rad tire. I actually got to talk quite a bit with the guy who who designed it. I might get a pair for my bike. You absolutely should. I think this is the ultimate B group slick. That's amazing. You don't need tire warmers. It's, it's so clear up a couple of confusion. So Metzler and Pirelli share a co-ownership. They are sister companies. Right. And I think a lot of the times Metzler gets an unfair rap that it's just a rebadge Pirelli and talking to them, they're very adamantly not. Um, it's like, there's some people like, this is like a Pirelli SC3. And like, nope, it's not. They don't, they don't share. Us. I can't even believe people know that. I think most Americans think Metzler is a cruiser bike. Well, that's brand. the thing. In America, it's, it's pegged as a cruiser bike and that's a whole nother conversation. Right. Um, so 
what's interesting about this, this and this is where like Metzler is not helping themselves on the marketing side. Pirelli came out last year with a DOT legal track focused tire designed for track day people. It's called the Pirelli Super Corsa TD. I ran it for three track days uh, this month. Well, fucking loved it. So I just got to spend a lot of time on this tire. The, the Super Corsa TD, it is designed to have no tire warmers. I think you can get about half a lap done before you can go full throttle on it. Um, I was doing about a second over race pace on them wow. for three days straight. Wow. And didn't see any slips or any performance degradation over that timeline. And this was on the Kramer? This is on the Kramer. Okay. So that was quite impressive to go that long and that hard on them. Uh, I would have done more days on them, but I just don't have the time. So I pawned them off to a buddy and said, enjoy them. You're probably going to get like two, three more track days out of them. And did they? I have no idea. I just did that. That's, um, that's super impressive for a dedicated tire like that. So I really like that tire. I did uh, control riding on it. That's why I was sitting there like, it's so good because I can go from a B group pace where I'm working with someone that's maybe pretty slow. Right. And then go right into an A group session and not have to worry like, okay, is my tire cooled off? Or or more importantly, I'm in B group. I'm working with someone. I see something I have to, I see someone I got to go catch. Right. So I have to turn the wick up to go get them. And I don't have to worry about like, hey, is there enough heat in my tires to really get a knee down right now? Is there, can I push really hard? Because uh, it warms up so quick and, and, and stays warm. Like it was, it was funny coming in off the session, like how much heat it generates. Here's an example. We took the temperature on the tire coming in from the track day. Right. 170 degrees on the tire. On my slicks, it's like 140. Wow. So, so it's same, it holds same, on to that heat for a minute. Same, you know, uh, temperatures, same tire pressures. It's just, it's just holding that heat a little bit more. Uh, it's just really interesting. I feel like it's worth repeating one more time just in case we have a new listener and they haven't listened to previous ones. But in layman's terms, you know, it, it's funny. I get people that come to the shop all the time and they're like, I want to get uh, slicks for my bike. Well, what are you, what are you riding? Well, such and such. What group are you riding in? B. No. Nope. Yes. The answer is no. Yes. Thank you. Do not buy this tire. It's not for you because if you're going to get slicks, they require a lot more heat and they require you to ride at a certain pace that will continue to build and maintain that heat. If you don't have this heat, the tire does not grip. If it doesn't grip, you're shit out of luck. You're going to fall. That I think is one of the biggest mistakes that I see as a control rider and as a track day rider. Um, and I, and I get the motivation. Like you're like, oh, I'm going to go do the track day. I'm going to go do the thing. I'm going to buy the best tires I can. I'm going to buy these slicks. Right. There's actually, there's a couple brands and I'm, I'm looking at one on the screen that I still have up in my window that were notorious with their DOT race tires. That those things were treacherous unless you had them on warmer. So you could mm -hmm. not use that tire without a tire warmer. I mean, the GPAs that I ran on my bike are is, considered DOT race that tires. That is exactly the tire. Dude, I rode those on the street one time, just take them from the shop to my house, and it was the most terrifying thing it I've ever done. It was a terrifying experience. It is, it is because that tire was designed to be used on a racetrack. Yep. It's only DOT legal because that's how they get around it. And to be fair, to be fair. that is a phenomenal DOT race tire. A mm -hmm. GPA was, I think, for a long time, the benchmark. Um, so totally, totally get it. Um, but you know, I think there's, there's guys and girls that go out there and like, I want the best thing. And they don't really realize like the best thing isn't the most expensive or it isn't a certain thing with what's best for you. What's best for me can be right. different things because right. like we had this, 
had this conversation at the track this weekend because there was a guy in my class who was running these track day tires as his race tire. And he's like, yeah, I'm running 23s, which is about 10 seconds off the pace. And you're like, yeah, I think this is probably the best tire for you because a slick, if it's a cold day, especially in the morning sessions, it. you're probably not going to put enough heat into nope. it. You can put it on the warmers and it's just going to lose all the heat by the time you get out to, to the front straight. And then you're on icicles. So yeah, tracting tire makes a ton of sense for me in that application. And so like, that's why I say, I think I, I really like this track day tire from Pirelli. The fact that it's DOT legal makes a ton of sense. If you just want to have one tire, like I don't want to deal with wheels and right. mounting things. Right. You're on a budget, but you want to do track days and maybe you want to carve canyons. And like, that's your thing is track days and canyons. Here's a tire that does it both. You don't have to keep playing the, the title, the tire fiddling game. Yep. What I like about the Metzler's Race Tech TD is it takes that concept a step further. It says, okay, maybe you have a dedicated track bike. So you're not worried about swapping tires. Or maybe you just have a street bike and you don't care about this tire swapping deal. <laughs> right. um, but you're not an A-level rider. You're a B-level rider. Or maybe you're a C-level rider. But you want a slick. You want a higher performing tire. You want a little bit more grip. Here's that solution. And it's fantastic. And it's the same thing where, like, if I was a control rider, this is what I would run. I'm really actually upset that they're not bringing in the size for the Kramer to the U.S. <laughs> because, like, I would totally run this tire for control riding. Absolutely. So, you're going to get more, you know, decent longevity out of them, predictability out of them. You're going to get better tire wear. They're really cheap. Um, you're going to have a huge range of, of operating. Like, for example, my slicks this weekend. Mm-hmm. One of the, the reason I had to start from pit lane is because I was doing tire swaps because we had cold mornings that were in the 60s and we had hot afternoons that were in the 90s. Yeah, it was about a 30 degree swing there. So right around noon is a tipping point where my SC2 compound stops working. And I dealt with it last season. And yeah, when it's hot, it slides. Um. But that was because I had to use it because I didn't have an SC1 compound option. This year, uh, Pirelli made an, a, bu- a batch of SC1s for Kramers. So I got to use it. And it was fantastic because now I had a hot weather tire that I could use. Right. But I had to play that game. I had to manage it. And that was what caught me out is I wasn't used to swapping tires. So I had swapped in this tire after, during lunch for the afternoon races and forgot that I hadn't... Um, done a session i thought i had qualified on it and i hadn't Hmm. Uh, which i don't know why i thought that but i pull off my tire warmer i see that perfect cue ball shine of a of a tire that has never been on the ground before and i go fuck because i know when they you know mount the tire it's got like 60 psi in it to set the bead and i have the slowest tire gauge in the history of the world so i'm just sitting there just you know trying to go from 60 psi to 25 psi and that's my like you know 30 second window to get out to the track uh, it totally bites me in the ass, but it's part of that game of like, you got to shuffle the tires for the right conditions. The track day tire, it would have been fine in both conditions because I had ridden it for two days, three days, actually, huh. in both conditions. And it's the same thing with that slick where it's like, oh, it's cold out. You're good to go. Oh, it's hot out. You're good to go. It may not be the fastest tire for that day or for those conditions, but you don't have to worry about your warmers. You don't have to worry about the changing weather. You don't have to worry about if it's cloudy or not. You don't have to worry about how abrasive the track is. It's just it's it's a great one and done solution. I love the dynamic, in um, my opinion, the the dynamic sort of cause and effect of tires on the track. 
I think a lot of people that sort of start doing it, we have to teach them. You know, it's not it's not a set it and forget it thing. You want to shake your pressure after every session. You want to make sure, you know, everything's okay. Because it's getting worn out. Every lap you do, you're using that tire. And something that's interesting, Shaheen, and this is, Metzler's one of the few t- companies I've ever seen really market that this tire can be flipped. Oh, wow. And this is actually a conversation I had at the track, uh, the race day uh, with one of the vendors because we have some vendors that are saying, I would never want to run a, ri- a flip tire. That would be, I would never do something like that. That's, that's a dangerous thing. You shouldn't do that. You have another tire vendor that says, we don't recommend flipping tires, but our tires are constructed in a way that if you did flip them, they would operate the same as if you hadn't. Huh. And then there's another tire vendor whose tires have arrows going both directions on the tire, clearly indicating that it can be run in either direction. So it's very funny to see like this spectrum. And now Metzler's in the space with a tire that they are marketing. This is this is like the next level. They are actively marketing that this tire can be flipped on either side. Thus, you get effectively twice the tire length that you normally would at a track that's like PIR where it's really heavy on one side. I mean, side. does it really work that way? Yes. I I flip my tires uh, Saturday night. So I, I race on one side of the tire on Saturday, on the other side of the tire on Sunday. This is the rear tire, I might I should say. But uh, don't you do that because you get an obnoxious amount of wear on the right side of the tire, and so you're flipping it so the other side of the tire gets worn more? Yeah, it's a longevity thing. Um so like if you manage your flips, you have like like at a track at PIR, you will effectively double your tire life because the right hand side of the tire is right. just worn so much more heavily than the left. Yeah, but if you're if you're at a track that has equal amounts rights and lefts, then it's not you're not gonna run the tire one way and then be like, all right, now I'm going to get the twice as amount of I wear mean, putting the other way. I mean, you could. Is it as critical? No. I mean, but if you do flip it, you will more evenly wear those tires out. Hmm. Fascinating. Is that critical? Like, I'm trying to think of a track, like, off the top of my head. Um, I was going to say the ridge, but the ridge is mostly left happy. It's got some right. It's not so much how many numbers. It's just how hard those t- those those turns are. Right. <sighs> I can't think of a track off the top of my head that's a really good example. Coda's okay. I think Coda still is a left-hand side track. But yeah, I mean the PIR is like literally like there is only one left hand turn. I mean, of I guess any of any consequence. Mazda Speedway or WeatherTech, sorry, Laguna Seca. Laguna Seca. That's got both pretty good amount of rights uh, and lefts, and they're they're all pretty harsh turns. I would say it's mostly a left hand turn, but there's a couple rights. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but you would still like you would still benefit from. A tire swap is it as a, a, uh, obvious of a benefit as say like a PIR or somewhere like Brainerd? Like if you looked at <laughs> you look at the the tire from the endurance race I, I did last year right. with Kramer, uh, you can actually look at that tire and it's like there's like a flat spot on the right hand side <laughs> because that track is so right hand so right hand focused. So like that's that that shows you a great example of like how a track can like chew up one side of the tire and leave the other side. Not so much. And if, you know, we were like, it's not applicable during an endurance race, but if you were smart, you know, you would do like one day on one side of the tire and flip it the next day and do the other day. Right. And you'd have a tire that was worn more evenly and, it w- and neither side would have a flat spot, hopefully. Um, 
it's, so it's just, it's an interesting thing. And there's lots of, if you ask tire guys and you ask like people that mount tires on wheels and, and mechanics, you will, it's almost right there with the oil debate, like on which is better, like <laughs> oof, on oof. whether you should flip a tire. Or yeah. Not. So. And those debates are debatable. I would say defer to your local tire guru on on where you stand with this. Uh, I I flip my tires at the end of the race day on Saturday, though. Um, what else do I want to say? Oh, there's one more interesting thing about this. I want to kind of briefly talk to you about because it's interesting from like a business perspective. Okay, the reason that Pirelli and Metzler are building these tires is because of the market regarding racing tires versus track day tires. And there is this shift and I've talked to like track day organizations about this. There's a shift from club racing to track days. Track days are gaining in popularity. Club racing is losing in popularity. In a lot of ways, track days are killing club racing. Interesting. And these tires are a direct result of that. They're like, Hey, like why do we keep making race tires and like DOT race tires and do and race slicks? for a diminishing market when this other market is using the same tires, but growing like we should be making track day focused stuff more so than we are race focused stuff. And so like, this is, that's not to say like other brands don't have really good track tires that, that are designed for track day enthusiasts. But this is the first time I've seen someone come out and be like, this is a track day tire. This is designed. This is a slick that is designed for a track day. No one else, to my knowledge, has a slick specifically designed for a track day. And that's really interesting. That's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm all about it. Because um, it only helps grow the sport. Yeah. And if enough people do track days, then enough people start racing. And then it's all it's all the same pool. It's all the same opac, as we say. Yeah. In, in the old horse racing world. I'm actually going to start working with the local... Because uh, Oregon, uh, like many states, you have to take a safety class before you get your motorcycle license, yes. which I'm totally into. So I'm going to work with the the uh, Oregon Safety Council, which is the main one here in Oregon, uh, to kind of promote them for people to go to them and stuff like that. I, you know, If you're looking at it just from a business owner's standpoint, more asses on seats means more sales, right? If you get on a motorcycle in a safe environment and learn from a good teacher, chances are that means you're going to want to buy a motorcycle someday. Now, whether you buy from a dealership or from a privateer, that's on you. But I want to see this sport grow. That's my number one prerogative. I love this sport. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, Shaheen, um, I think we're uh, going to just uh, wrap her up. I think, I, we're, uh, I think we should go to the beach. We should go to the beach. Yeah. Oh, we're supposed to go to the beach today, aren't we? Let's do it. Let's get some swimming done. I haven't done any work today. I could do that after the sun's I got to do at least something. I might have to meet you guys there. Maybe the beach for like the next two, three hours, and then you can work from from after six or seven. <laughs> oh, I told you, I'm going to be that little devil in your shoulder. I hands. love that attitude. No, because like I, I totally have other things that I have to do after I do my work that's like not work work. If that makes sense? It's Don't work. you have a roommate? It's like, work for charge non- Charge rent by making them do work. I should. See? He was supposed to. He was supposed to like do some house chores to earn his. There you go. But, that's a that's his rent. But hasn't done so yet. Mm, you know, <clears> I would <throat> maybe put a little uh, to do list <clears throat> for him on his on his door. <clears throat> yes. Uh, okay. Well, we'll figure that out. But before we go, uh, I do want to get our listeners to follow us on social media. Yep. At we brap talk on Twitter. At brap talk on Instagram. You can B-R-A-P find us talk. on. Say it again. B R A P talk. Yes. And you can find us on Facebook. If you search Brap Talk Motorcycle Podcast, you can give us a like, you can give us a follow, you can give us some love. You can email us at webraptalk at gmail.com. Yep. 
And with that, Shaheen, we say... Safety third. Good talking. We'll see you out there. Bye. Bye. Toodaloo. Shaheen. Shaheen. All right. What's the over-under on how long I can do the Shaheen today? 10 seconds. You think 10? I can do more than 10. Oh, yeah? Shit. I bet I can do a minute. Damn. You can do a minute? I think I can do a minute. I don't know. My ribs really hurt. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you 35 seconds. 35. Getting the timer out. <laughs> I don't know what we're betting. Pride. Pride. Where's the timer button? Tears. We're oh. betting tears. Tears. <laughs> All right.